Welcome to the Women Encouraged podcast. We're your hosts, Bethany Berendrecht and Brittany Robertson. We are delighted to have the chance to connect you with other women who love the Lord, who love His Word, and who are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. Thanks so much for joining us. We are so glad that you joined us for episode three of the Women Encouraged podcast. In episode two, we talked to Becky Pliego about coming to Christ through his word. Today, we get to talk to Jen Wilkin about Bible study, what it is and what it isn't, and why it matters. I've been encouraged by Jen for a number of years through her writing and speaking and through the Flower Mound Women's Bible Study podcast. We are really excited to get to introduce Jen to the Women Encouraged community, so let's jump right in. Well, it is a delight for me today to be joined by Jen Wilkin, who lives in Texas, so far, far away from Grand Prairie, Alberta. Um, But Jen is an author and a speaker and Bible teacher, and we're just so delighted that she joined us today on the podcast to talk about, among other things, her new Bible study, but also what real Bible study means for women and how that impacts our lives. Thank you so much, Jen, for joining us. Oh, I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family life roles now and um, how you got to where you are right now? Yeah, I have um, four kids. They are currently 21, 20, 19, and 17. So I have three in college, and then I have one who is a senior in high school. He's heading out the door in August, which is not the least bit heartbreaking and won't send me into a tailspin at all. Um, I work at our church. I am on staff in the Village Church Institute. My responsibilities are for adult classes at our five campuses. And so I write curriculum or lead a curriculum team that writes curriculum. Um, I teach in, in some of the environments and um, vet and train teachers and small group leaders, et cetera. And then I'm married to Jeff. I should have mentioned that when I talked about our kids. I didn't have those four kids on my own. He, uh, he and I will be married 25 years this summer, and I like him so much. We recently had a chance to take a trip to the UK. I was doing some speaking there, and it was kind of the, we realized actually it was the first trip we had taken alone together in 23 years. <laughs> oh, my word. That must have been exciting. Yeah, it kind of blows the you need a date night theory right out of the water because we do actually really like each other uh, still. We had the best time. And so I think we both were like, okay, this next part's going to be really great. So um, yeah, he's he's the best. He does a lot of stuff in children's ministry at the village. And um, so we're not usually doing ministry in the same room unless we're doing parenting stuff. Uh, but yeah, he's fantastic. That is great. Well, congratulations on the almost 25 years. That is wonderful. Um, What what did God use to lead you into writing books and Bible study? Um, It was pretty accidental. I don't know if accidental is the right word, or I just was perceived a need in my own local church that I started trying to meet. And um, I never intended to write for anyone more than the women who were coming to my living room or to the classroom that I had at the church. But when we moved to Dallas about 10 years ago, I was teaching in my home and I 
read actually a blog post that John Piper had written where he was discussing why he blogged because up to that point I had thought blogging seemed like just kind of a a lot of effort and I couldn't figure out why you would do it. And also a lot of what blogs were at that time was sort of people just journaling their thoughts online without a lot of, um, crafting to it. And, um, so I, I read this post where he said he used blogging as a place for additional sermon content or for, um, maybe a point that he didn't have time to get to, or he didn't feel like he had done justice to. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, that's a teaching platform. Mm-hmm. And I began to use, I started a blog to, to put content out there for the women who were coming to my living room, uh, so that they could have additional helps and someone read it. And then some more people read it and I didn't even know how to check the stats. Like I didn't even know how to go and see how many hits it was getting or anything like that. And, um, I ended up being contacted by a publisher who asked if I wanted to write a book and that was the end of the word. So yeah, I'm a terrible person to ask for like people, women will email me and say, how did you get into um, publishing? You know, like what's your secret sauce? And I'm the worst person to ask because I really was just trying to do ministry for the people who were in my immediate sphere and it sort of fell into my lap. Wow. Well, it's okay. We're not here to ask you about. I know. I don't, I don't mean to like shame anyone for asking it. I just feel like I'm an awful person to ask. Cause I don't have, I don't think I have a typical story. You know, I have, I have a great story. Like I'm so thankful that it happened the way that it did. I, I don't have the energy or even the vision, I think to have figured out how to do it on my own. And so I really can look at it and see the Lord's hand in it and just be so grateful but also it's puts me in a, you know, it's, it's a weird place to be in because I just, um, I just didn't see it coming. Well, you know, I'll be honest, it, you know, it's so much work. If you, you know, if you've spent any time doing this, it, it's a lot of work to write a study. And so to know that it can be used by hundreds or even thousands of women versus just 30 or 35 who are in your living room, that's, that's pretty gratifying because nothing, there's no reason that you wouldn't want it to be used by, by more people after you put that much work into it. But like I said, I just, I didn't ever see it coming. So it's, it's I can't remember if you wrote it in women of the word or somewhere else, but you were talking about um, how I think it might've been like at the end of the book where you're talking about um, being a teacher and kind of being going from being the student to realizing you had um, a desire to, yeah. to lead and teach and, and how you're kind of like the nightmarish student. <laughs> but, um, you've also, you kind of, you know, your church helped you use that gift to, to minister to women. And, um, and now you're in this place where you're encouraging women to just really pick up their Bibles and, and engage. And you've talked a lot of times about, um, the debit card mentality. Right. And, um, and can you explain, um, what that means when it comes to Bible reading and, um, for the women who aren't familiar with the concept, why it's hurting us and what's the alternative? Yeah. Yeah. And this is pervasive. It's not just women, but I do think that it's happens perhaps more uh, among women than it does among men. Um, we have sort of come up through the church with this mentality that um, time in the word is supposed to get us through the day. So the whole idea of the quiet time where I sit down and I have 10 or 15 minutes and then what am I going to do with those 10 or 15 minutes? And some people may have more than that, but, but our mentality has often been, I am going to put my um, little debit card into my Bible and I'm going to withdraw what I need for today. 
And um, really, the scriptures don't yield themselves up to us as they ought to when we're taking them incrementally like that. And not only that, but asking them to meet us on our own terms, right? Because it's hard for me to imagine a debit count approach working if you happen to be reading like Leviticus or Deuteronomy. You know, you're going to have days where you're going to be like, okay, I only have 10 minutes and I got to the end of chapter 13 of Leviticus and I don't know that I feel warm and encouraged for the day, right? I mean, it's it's hard because we, when we read the Bible that way, we're asking it primarily to encourage us. And yet there are large portions of the scriptures that are um, ultimately encouraging for us, but not immediately so. And so my, or the thing I urge women to do is to uh, regard their time in the word as a savings account instead of as a debit account that they are going to seek, instead of asking the scriptures to give them something every day, they're going to trust that over the long term, there's a yield on the time that they spend in the scriptures. So to read with some sort of plan, right? To say, I'm going to start at the beginning of this book and I'm going to read all the way to the end. And if I have 15 minutes each day, then that's what I'm going to give. And I'm going to build toward a comprehensive understanding of an entire book of the Bible versus just tidbits here and there that I'm asking to deliver an immediate dose of satisfaction. Because what I have found to be true in my own life and what I hear from other women regularly is that they get down the road and hit a dark night of the soul, that something goes wrong, a terrible thing happens, and they don't have the capacity, emotional, mental, to sit down and do a Bible study when they're in the middle of a crisis, right? And it's at that point that we draw on that same news account that the treasures that we've been laying up for years and that the Lord has been yielding an increase on are now available to us in that moment of, of greatest need. That's really great to hear that. Um, especially in light of some of the other women we've been talking to for this month. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of um, Becky Pliego, but she leads, she moderates and, um, and, does the webinars for something called the Bible reading challenge. And we've been working on reading the Bible through in its entirety from September to May. Oh, I love that. And it's, it's been such a wonderful experience to get to see such bigger portions of the scripture. And um, we're just encouraging women, if they hear about it, just jump in right where, where we are, join us where we are, because there's a community to join. But also, um, I had a funny thing happen where I was trying to encourage my Bible study group, the ladies I was leading Bible study to join. And I said, you know, I did some math and, um, and I also did a little research. The average person spends 19 minutes surfing Netflix to decide what they're going to watch. And, and the average amount of time it takes to read six chapters of the Bible for women reported an average of 16 minutes. So you could actually spend less time reading the Bible, but you do trying to figure out what to watch on Netflix. Wow. And it's all about that, that decision about what you're going to invest your life in and what, what are you going to be able to draw on in the future? So that's, thank you for explaining that. Well, and I think, you know, we've, um, we've told people that, We've downplayed the importance of just reading, right? Reading just for comprehension. We People think that they are supposed to open the Bible, read something and say, how should this change my life today? And there are just some steps that need to happen before you can get to the how should this change my life part. And a lot of that can be resolved just by reading. And I think when you free people up to say, oh, wait, so I just need to sit down and, and just read this like I would any other book. 
because it seems easier to them to go surf Netflix or whatever it is than it is to sit down and just read the scriptures. And they think that they, when they read, they're supposed to be coming up with all these super deep insights the first time they read through something. And so I, I really feel like if we can give women permission to just relax and treat the Bible as a book, it's much more than just a book. But that's the starting point. And we can't leapfrog to later stages of understanding or else we set ourselves up to always be dependent on someone else to, to get us there. You know, the person who's the subject matter expert. And we never perceive ourselves to be growing in our ability to handle the scriptures on our own. Always encourage women as they're thinking about how to reframe their time in the Bible to start asking, wait a minute, how much time am I giving to devotional reading versus how much time I'm giving to just reading a book of the Bible? Because it's not that devotional reading is inherently bad. It's just that for most of us, it has become our sole means of intake when it comes to sitting down to read the scriptures. And that and that is hurting us ultimately because this is... Um, it's like a lifelong starvation, really. It's like eating dessert without eating dinner. Right. Spiked blood sugar and major crashes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for the women who are listening to this and are going, oh, dear, what have I done? Or I've lost momentum or um, I don't even know where I am on the map when it comes to my Bible reading. How would you encourage her to to find a new beginning here? Um, is it as simple as just sitting down and, and taking it up and reading? Or is there anything else that you might um, offer as far as resources and tools to help her get started? Yeah, um, I think one of the misconceptions that can come up after hearing, oh gosh, I've been doing this wrong and I'm supposed to be you know, growing in this on my own, is that people can sometimes swing to sort of an isolationist idea of what it means to be in the scriptures. And so I would say a, a first great step is to just start reading for comprehension uh, the way that you would have read a book in your high school English class. And my, my encouragement is always that you can print out a copy of the text double spaced so that you can make notes on it. And everybody, it's funny because I've said that a hundred times and I get a lot of emails of people saying, so where do I find this magical double-spaced copy of the text? You're going to have to make it yourself. You copy and paste a chapter at a time out of an online resource like Bible Gateway and pop it into a Word document, set the margins to wide, double-space it so that you can write on it a little bit. So you can write your questions and you can see if there's an idea or phrases that are being repeated and just begin to sort of ask yourself some questions about Hey, someone wrote this and they had a purpose in mind and, and what was that? Maybe I can, can get into that. And I would say spend more time than you would think you ought to just reading and then rereading and then rereading again. I mean, there's a, there's a joke. I can't remember who it was that they were interviewing a great preacher and they were saying, how do you, how do you prepare your sermons? And he said, well, the first thing I do is I sit down and I, I read the text and then I read the text again. And then, and he goes, you know, just goes through it several iterations and, that's really the truth. That's what a good teacher is going to do. That's also what a good student is going to do. And so that would be a good first step. But I, I know what life is like for me. And I know what life is like for most women. You're really going to need a method. You're going to need a, a structured approach. And you probably need a structured time. And you probably need accountability. Well, I know you need accountability because when we are saved into the family of God, we are saved into community. So these things are not meant to happen in isolation. There's always a personal element to our study that should take place. 
but then at some point you should be entering into dialogue with other believers about what they're seeing in the text. And you should also be submitting yourself to the teaching of those who have insight that's further along than yours. That's the biblical model for how we grow in our discipleship into the scriptures. So I think structure is important. I think accountability is important and um, that we begin to recognize that so often what we're doing is learning passively. We're just taking in what someone said about the Bible rather than looking at it on its own terms. And so to begin to move ourselves into what I call an active learning environment, which means that I'm doing work on my own and then I'm sitting and doing work with others and then I'm receiving commentary, either in the form of teaching or reading a book about what I've been studying or listening to a podcast, that kind of thing. The order matters. Mm -hmm. You touched on this just a second ago, but reading, um, you've also emphasized this before, and I know I've I've loved having these conversations with people that um, reading a book about the Bible is different than reading the Bible. And so, so many women's Bible studies today, and and I've, I've felt this discouragement in my own heart where you say, Oh, come to women's Bible study and you get there and you're finding that we're not reading the Bible. We're not studying the Bible. We're reading a book about a topic and we might pull in a few Bible verses, but that is so much different than reading and studying the Bible itself. It's so different. And topical studies are not inherently bad. I mean, they actually have their place in what we're doing. But again, it's kind of like devotional reading. Uh, we we have defaulted to a place in many churches where all we're doing is topical studies or devotional materials because we have not been equipped ourselves to handle the scriptures. And the topical and devotional materials are going to take on the depth and meaning that they should have when we have a foundational knowledge of the text ourselves. And that's the piece that most of us are missing. We are uh, we're taking someone else's word for it all of the time. And, and, and we have an accountability to love the Lord, our God with all of our minds. So that means you love him with all of your mind. I love him with all of my mind. And it's not enough for me to simply love him with all of Beth Moore's mind or my pastor's mind or uh, Jen Wilkins mind. You know, you, you will stand before God and give an account for how you loved him with your intellect. And, and, and if we've never spent firsthand time in the text, we, we won't be equipped to discern between one message and another message, which one is closer to what was accurate. Yeah. You've written a few books that have um, touched on different aspects of this, of loving the Lord with our minds and understanding him for who he is and who he's declaring himself to be. And um, so Jen's written the books, Women of the Word and none like him. And you have another one coming out in his image. Is that, that's the title, right? Yes. It's on my wish list. So (laughs) (laughs) I have like a list of (laughs) pre-order books, but um, is it, is it available now or is it still for pre-order? In his image will come out in May. Okay. That's what I thought. I thought it was a spring. Yeah. Spring baby. Um, but then you have a new Bible study coming out. Um, You've written a number of Bible studies before. I've done your the one in First Peter, which I happened upon. I actually didn't even know that you had written Bible studies, but you have one called God of Creation. Um, it's coming out very soon. And can you tell us more about it and what you're hoping it's going to do to help and encourage women? Yeah, it's actually available now. Um, the, it, it was supposed to be January 2nd. They happened to get it done a little faster, so that's pretty great. Um, I have two studies currently published that are New Testament studies. And if I know anything about women, it's that we would 
always prefer to go to the New Testament over the Old Testament. We think the Old Testament's a little bit scary and, and inaccessible. And so my biggest hope for the Genesis study is that it will free up women to say, oh gosh, there's a lot of really important stuff back here and it, it's accessible to me, but not just that, but it is essential to my understanding of the rest of the Bible. I cannot think of any more foundational important chapters for us to study if we want to understand the Bible as a whole in Genesis 1 through 11. And that's what will be covered in God of Creation. And then there'll be a follow-up release next January called God of Covenant that will cover chapters 12 through 50. And um, I would say for me personally, nothing has impacted my reading of the Bible more than spending time in Genesis. Mm. Um, it is, it's referred to by a lot of theologians as the seed plot of the Bible. It's where all of the seeds of redemptive history are planted and the themes that will weave throughout the rest of the Bible. And um, I thought I would be afraid to read it. And then, it, and I, or I thought that I knew it, you know, I thought, oh, these are familiar stories to me. There's nothing here that I will learn that's new. And um, I've taught it now, you know, in my own environments, I've taught it three times and then taught it again for the recordings. And each time I am just blown away by how much more there is there and how important it is and impactful it is for understanding the rest of scriptures. The New Testament authors were steeped in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And so for us to read the New Testament, thinking that we can glean from it everything that is there without having the knowledge of the Old Testament, this doesn't make sense. And, and, and the New Testament authors wanted nothing more than for our memories to be pricked with regard to these Old Testament truths. And you know, Jesus in, uh, in, in the Gospel of John says that the Old Testament is about him, that Moses wrote of him. So uh, we should be reading these books looking for where they're pointing us toward the consummation of all things and where they're pointing us toward the work of Christ and salvation, sanctification. And it's there, it's there to be found. So I'm really excited about this study in particular. And when I mentioned earlier that it's important to have a method, mm -hmm. when I wrote women of the word, I was giving the method. Women of the word is what I would say if I had six hours, the first day of every semester of Bible study I teach and I don't. So I was like, when they said, what book do you want to write? I'm like, Oh, I want to say all the things that I never have time to say on the first day of Bible study. But my intent is never to say here, read this and now just go do it on your own. Um, it's like saying, Hey, here's a recipe for an incredibly difficult dessert. Now just go figure out how to do it. And so when I write my studies, what I'm wanting to do is stand next to you while you prepare the recipe. And, and help you. And so the studies are all hand-holding for the method itself. So I might say, hey, you should look for repeated themes, but I don't assume that that's an easy thing for someone to do. So the studies are crafted to say, hey, here's a, here's a repeated theme. Why don't you look for this throughout the, the text? They don't include commentary. Uh, the commentary is when you finally get to the teaching portion, and that's intentional because um, if you've noticed, I would imagine you have, Typically, when you do a Bible study, if you're asked a difficult question, you know that if you just read a little bit further down, they're going to feed you the answer. Yeah. And, and it's a disappointment, actually, yeah. for, for a lot of women, because, you know, sometimes we want to be handed the answer. Yeah. But in other times, it takes away the joy of getting to find it ourselves. 
it sabotages the learning process. Um, we have come to, to dislike and avoid any tension that we feel when we don't know something. And a lot of that is just because, you know, we've got Google, so we can look anything up and we can get rid of that tension really fast. But uh, those who study learning and developmental processes will tell you that that dissonance, that feeling of not knowing is actually our friend. That's what is telling us that learning is about to begin. And so I write studies that will raise more questions than they might answer when you're doing the homework. And so that's, you know, some people are going to be in and some people are going to be out. But if you're someone who has been looking for something to challenge you to begin to develop, to begin to flex your own intellectual muscles around some things, that's what I'm trying to do. Well, thank you for this, um, this time with you and this encouragement. And um, I'm really excited. We're going to be giving away a copy of God of Creation um, through our website and our, our Facebook page, actually. But um, so I, I'm really hopeful that as we get more women connected with good teachers and good encouragement to get into the scriptures and let it change them, um, that we're going to see a lot of women finding so much more joy in the Lord. Um, but before we close out, I did um, kind of send over a question about what or who are you reading right now or listening to or studying that's just encouraging you and blessing you in your life? Uh, oh, I'm going to cry. Oh, well, sorry. I cry a lot. Um, R.C. Sproul's funeral was mm-hmm. yesterday. And um, I don't, I I did not receive seminary training um, because I had four kids in four years and life just never opened up that window of time for me. And when it did, I was not the next person in line for a degree. <laughs> you know, my kids sending kids to college and he was my seminary education insofar as I got one, which I didn't, but I mean, you know, I had to, I had to self-teach basically. And, um, yeah, now we're both crying. You guys can't see the video, but I. <laughs> so uh, I spent this week reading back through some of his things that I have loved. And I just kept thinking, oh, I'm such a ripoff artist. I just kept reading things that I've been teaching for years. And I just was so grateful for his life and ministry. And so that's how I've spent the last week or so was going back and I uh, reread some parts from the holiness of God. And I reread some parts, um, from essential truths. Uh, so I, they don't get old for me. He's the one who his footnotes pointed me toward all of my favorite authors. I found Arthur Pink through him. I found Stephen Charnock, Puritans. Um, I found A.W. Tozier through him. So, uh, that's what I've been spending some time in recently spending time crying in my room, reading R.C. Sproul, really normal. But it's such a gift to have the access that we do to these, um, these giants of the faith that have, yeah. have acted as conduits to better, bigger and better things than just them. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for, for him, for R.C. Sproul and for the many people that he has directed us too, as well, to, to grow in our faith and to just keep taking those steps toward, toward the pursuit of God and the knowledge and understanding of him and love of him. Um, so yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And thank you for, 
Thank you for that. Hopefully when, um, when the ladies hear this, they're going to go and grab some of those books and, and enjoy them as well. Yeah. Thank you again. And the Lord bless you and bless your ministry. And we're excited for what, what's coming in the future. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Bethany. Well, I so enjoyed that conversation and I just felt like it was such an amazing gift to get to talk to her in person. That was so exciting. I had never actually heard of Jen Wilkin until Bethany introduced me to, um, what was the book that you introduced me to that I read? Probably Women of the Word. I bought, yeah, yeah, I bought like 20 copies and handed them out. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I first learned about her. And then Bethany said that she had agreed to um, do an interview for Women Encouraged. And we were so thrilled. That was awesome. Yes, I am just so grateful that she agreed to come on the show and that we could introduce her to the Women Encouraged community and to ladies who hadn't heard of her before. I love that Jen shared about how she got into writing and she said that um, her story wasn't typical in that, you know, she didn't have know a whole bunch of publishers or she wasn't in that community of people, but that she had started um, writing for her for her church Bible study and that every time she would start a new Bible study, she wanted to uh, talk for six hours about like specifically how they could be implementing their own study time at home, but she didn't have the time for that. So I love that she shared that she had made her study for her local church, but um, then God multiplied it. Yeah, I thought that was really neat too. And I really loved it. it was kind of like that loaves and fishes kind of a thing where you you bring this small offering to the lord and he multiplies it over and over and over and now here we are and here are women around the world i know her book has been translated into spanish and she has um she has those other books none like him which is an excellent book on the attributes of god i highly recommend it and then she has a new one in his image coming out which i'm super excited about i know i mentioned it already but Um, I'm so grateful that she's been writing these on these topics and drawing women into knowing the character of God so that we can engage more in the scriptures with a, a full knowledge of him. I think she just ties so much good information together in her books, and I'm super excited about this new Bible study, um, God of creation. And I'm like, I'm just as equally excited about next year when she comes out with God of Covenant, because I think that is going to be just as amazing as this one is going to be. Have you done any of her studies before? No. As soon as I finished listening to your interview, I was quickly like scribbling down like, oh, she has way more books than I thought that she did. I need to be doing some of these. And I was very excited about them. I really, I particularly liked about Women of the Word. It's a small book, so it's not overwhelming. And, um, it's very, uh, like it's very practical and it's easy to read, but, but it's something you can go back to over and over again during different seasons of your life. And I really liked that about it. So I felt like her Bible studies would probably be, um, similar to that. (laughs) 
Yes, absolutely. And I love that I can come back to the book over and over again because it is, like you said, so small. Mm-hmm. So it's not overwhelming. It's easy to find her her hints and tools that she has in there and, and tips on um, strategies to use and ways to approach the Bible. But also, I felt that with the first Peter study that I did of hers, more um, just empowering you to use tools to search it out on your own. And so it's not like feeding you information like you would find in some devotional studies. And I, and I love because it's not handholding that it gives you the confidence to not be afraid when you're reading the Bible, um, that you're going to, uh, not understand or uh, miss miss points. Sometimes when a devotional is hand feeding it to you, I feel like they're making a point that um, I wouldn't get there on my own. <laughs> and so then right. I lose my confidence in doing that for myself. And I love how much Jen stresses that. Uh, oh, she says permission. To, we need to have permission to relax and read the Bible like a book first. That was so encouraging to me. She's taking that along with the fact that uh, we shouldn't be going to the Bible. I think she said that we need to be aware of the debit account withdrawal system when we're reading the Bible and how we want to be aware of not treating the Bible like a devotional style book where you're just getting a little chunk of scripture and applying that to your day. We can tend to do that as women, even when we're just reading straight from our Bible and thinking, I just need to go to the Bible and grab a little bit of encouragement. And then, and then worse, we kind of start looking for verse specific verses for whatever we're, whatever we're struggling with, creating our own uh, devotional style book. And then that's very much, uh, we're missing the whole story. And also we're not leaving a lot of room then for God to be, um, showing us who he is throughout the whole Bible instead of just specific parts that we grab out. But she says in that, um, that if we're not, if we're supposed to be careful that we're not just jumping all over and just grabbing out little verse and little verse here and there, that we need to be reading the Bible as a whole. I love that she said we should have uh, permission to relax and read the Bible as a whole, like a book and not be thinking if we get through a whole chapter and don't feel like we've been hit with a revelation or awestruck that something's wrong because I know I've done that to myself. Like if I finish a chapter and I don't feel like I've had like that awe inspiring moment that maybe I'm not as smart as everybody else. And I didn't catch on to something that everybody else would. And she gave me so much freedom when she said that. That really made my day, actually, that she had stressed how important it is to, at first, just read it like a book. Don't overthink it. Just be um, just be in it. One thing I love about her is that um, encouragement to approach the Bible, first and foremost, as a book about God. And that's I think that's the thing that we struggle with when we approach the Bible with a debit account mentality, we're going to put in our ATM card. We're going to get what it means to us um, instead of coming to it about knowing who God is. And I believe it was John Calvin who said, there is no knowledge of self apart from the knowledge of God. And I think about that very often when, when I think about that debit card mentality, you know, am I, am I trying to understand myself through the scripture, apart from understanding first and foremost, who God is. 
And I can honestly say that that has been something that I've been really challenged um, to be aware of just in the past year. Uh, I think as I keep growing in my relationship with God, he, you know, little by little, he changes how we do things or how we're seeing things. And it's been very much brought to my attention that I was doing that. I definitely was coming to the Bible to see uh, what does it say about me or what's going to happen to me or me, me, me. And um, yeah, more now changing my thoughts to know that the Bible is so that we can know who God is. And that's an exciting, that makes it far more exciting. And, and as we're saying way less scary, if you're not going to it, looking for, um, the perfect answer to something or something to make you feel, feel better. And you're just going for going to the word to learn more about God. Uh, you probably won't feel so much apprehension about going to the word, right? Um, cause you're not going to miss right. the point if that's what you're looking for. It's, it's all throughout. Right. And it also reminded me about, um, some things that Becky talked about in our last, in our last episode, um, because I was thinking that if we're if we are coming to the Bible with a debit card mentality, then what we're we're doing is we're going to pick and choose what's going to make us feel good and what's going to uplift us. And then we're going to skip over all the parts that are going to reveal to us who the Lord is and what he desires for us as Christians. I know that I've talked to several friends who have said that the only parts of the Old Testament that they've ever read were Ruth, um, some of the Psalms, part of Genesis, and Proverbs 31. Okay. And Esther. Oh, and Esther. Yes, yeah. you're right. I know because I was one of those people. I don't think I said it to you, but that was definitely me. Yes, I can relate to that. Yeah. And so I've, I know I've talked to a few friends who have who have struggled with that. And um you're really shortchanging yourself. That's really what you're doing is um, not to mention the fact that you're not engaging with the word like the Lord wants you to, you know, it is his word from beginning to end and it reveals his character and his story. It tells us about Jesus from the first pages of Genesis to the very last chapter in Revelation. And this last year I was um, very convicted about my tendency to avoid reading the books that felt a little bit scary. It's not like I hadn't ever read them before, but um, there were some books that I thought, you know, that one, I I need to read it um, because I haven't been reading it. But to go and grab a book that might feel a little heavier, like the book of Isaiah, um, sometimes that's one of those books that women feel is, is too heavy or too scary. Something that Becky has said, Becky Plago has said in the past is... Um, that the New Testament is a commentary for the Old Testament. And so I'm very excited about Jen's book, um, God of Creation, because I think that that is going to really help women to see that the Old Testament is necessary for a foundational understanding of who God is throughout the Bible. Yeah, if we want to see the whole redemptive story um, in all its glory, <laughs> then we need to be reading the whole thing. Because as I've said, like that was not something that I was doing. And when everyone would say, it's the whole, from beginning to end, it's the whole redemptive story, I'd be like, well, I'm missing it. 
I don't understand. Well, of course, if you're picking and choosing. And again, I go back to when she says um, that uh, she talks about reading for comprehension rather than how should this change my life today? Um, And then permission to just read it as a book. When you're saying Isaiah, we just went through Isaiah for the Bible reading challenge. And I thought to myself, if I was reading this prior to having, um, to, to treating it like the debit account, I would have probably thought like, what's, what's going to happen? Or what am I doing? Like there's, I just read four verses and all of them were doom and gloom. And what does that say about today? And I would apply all of my (laughs) feelings. Do you know what I mean? And, um, not that, not that, there is an application for today or that the Holy Spirit isn't, it is a living, it is a living word. So it does talk to us. But if we're, if we're just reading it, because we know that it, all of the books tell the whole story that can take some of the scary feelings away. I think as we've been um, doing the Bible reading challenge and reading Isaiah, like you mentioned, um, I found there were parts that really stood out to me, parts that I had never seen in that light before um, that I really had missed out on understanding the character of God and his compassion. I was missing out on understanding God's nature because I was shying away from books that were heavier. Not that I didn't read my Bible. I read my Bible, but I was avoiding parts that that seemed too heavy for me. We are going to talk to Angie Tufnell next week and just so excited about the insight that she's going to bring that's going to build on what we've heard today from Jen and what Becky brought to us. And just want to encourage you to grab a copy of Women of the Word or None Like Him. And if you're part of the Facebook group, the Women Encouraged Community on Facebook, we are going to be giving away a copy of the new Bible study, God of Creation. We're really excited to give this out to somebody. So if you are part of that and you're listening around the end of January 2018, then come and join us at the Women Encouraged Community because we are going to give away a copy of that new Bible study. So on that note, Brittany, what are you loving? Well, I was trying to think of what I am loving and it doesn't feel like we always say, um, is it not godly? It's not godly, (laughs) but it's what I'm loving right now. I am really into skip the dishes. Oh, yes. You skip the dishes, Bethany? I have before. I I love it. It has changed my life. I have mentioned on social media that where we lived before, we couldn't get skip the dishes because we were technically in the county. But now that we've moved into town, which we weren't really in the county before, but now that we've moved into town, we can order from skip the dishes. And it has just made my life so much more delightful. Oh, so for those of you who don't know what Skip the Dishes is, but I I feel like probably most people do, but it's a courier service for food and lots of restaurants per, like wherever you live, there's different restaurants that sign up for it. Um, You can order directly on an app on your phone. You can put in your credit card information, which is, this is my favorite part about it. You can put in your credit card information and then you can order and pay for it. And it gives you an update, like you know, if the person delivering it is 20 minutes away and then three minutes away, and then you don't have to pay them when they come to the door, they just hand the food over to you and say, have a nice day and off they go. And for some reason that just makes it so much more enjoyable to me. 
And you have so, more time for Bible study, right? <laughs> that's right. And I'm usually reading my Bible when they come. They're like, oh, what are you reading? See, I made it godly <laughs> for you, Brittany. Thank you. What are you into, Bethany? Um, I am loving this, I, this thing that I accidentally found out about. Okay, so you know how Jen mentioned um, R.C. Sproul at the very end, and it will it really kind of got the my brain running around and thinking like, what have I read of his? Um, I knew I'd read a lot of articles, but then I was thinking I wanted to read one of his books. So I went online and I was thinking I would get an audiobook because I often do audiobooks if I'm doing laundry or making dinner or something like that, and I just if I want to listen to something while I'm doing that. And so I went to get this audiobook and I was like, $30, really? $30 for an audiobook? Like I could just buy it on Amazon, just the hard copy. And of course it wouldn't be read to me, but then I discovered this awesome thing while I was loading my kids' Kindle Fire with audiobooks. Ladies, do you know that you can go and get a Kindle copy of a book and then you can, for a serious discount, get the audiobook version of that. So I got this, I got the hard copy. Well, not the hard copy. I got the digital copy, the Kindle copy of the book that I'm reading, which is reading the scripture. I think it's called reading the scripture or reading the Bible. I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. But then I also got the audiobook version for like six bucks. And I was just blown away. And I've been using this hack with a lot of different books. My kids are listening to Tom Sawyer and reading along and they have a bunch of other books that they're doing that with. That's so awesome. Now that's not through Audible. That would be through, even though Audible is an Amazon no, it program. Is. It is. You get the, you can get the Audible audiobook version, but you first go to Kindle so you go to your Amazon store. But if you first purchase the Kindle version, usually there's a button that says, would you also like to have the audiobook version for like whatever, however many bucks. Nice. It's very exciting and awesome. it's changed my life. That's very exciting. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, if you have enjoyed listening to the Women Encouraged podcast, we would love if you would head over to your um, iTunes podcast app on your phone and look up the Women Encouraged podcast and then scroll all the way down to the bottom and there you can leave us a rating and or a review. Yeah, we'd love to be able to share this with more people and connect more women with teaching from Jen Wilkin and Becky Pliego and Tara Dixon as well. And some other amazing ladies to come. Yes. And again, we're going to welcome Angie Tufnell next week. And as always, you can connect with us at womenencouraged.ca or you can see us on Instagram at womenencouraged. And feel free to hop on over to Facebook and join us at the Women Encouraged community page. Thanks again so much for joining. Most of the time when we feel hunger pangs, we know we need to go to the pantry or the fridge to feed ourselves. Often though, in the busyness of life, it's not difficult to forget to meet one of our own basic needs, either because we don't feel hungry or we're busy ignoring the hunger and accomplishing other things. But this just results in us trying to deal with life physically unequipped. Sometimes Bible reading is a habit, but like eating, sometimes life circumstances overwhelm us and we need to be reminded of our need to fill up and fuel ourselves for life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5. 
He promises that He will fill and satisfy us when we are hungering after righteousness, which is only found in Him. So, with Psalm 119, we can pray, Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Jesus says to us, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 6.35 We ask for understanding of him, for life in his name, for his righteousness so that we can live. Every one of us comes to Christ with the same need. And every one of us is promised that when we come to Him, we will be filled. If you are struggling to feel your need, ask for the awareness. Ask God to give you the hunger and the determination to seek Him in His Word. Come to Christ, ask Him to fill you, and He will satisfy you. Trust Him and take Him at His Word.